Well, it is my honor and privilege to be up here in front of you guys again talking uh, about fa- family vibes. As you know, last week, uh, Pastor Danae talked about family vibes and talked about that the church body is a family, that, 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 that we are the family of God, and that one thing, and that the first thing that we got to do as part of the family of God is to honor and to have a heart for the church. That's what what it's all about, is that we need to love being here at church. We need to welcome people here into God's house. And that's what she spoke of. She spoke on that, hey, we need to make the atmosphere, atmosphere of love and of welcoming and really just gather together as much as we can and get together to really just just give a, a safe and loving place for people to come and to worship and to grow in their faith. But as I thought about what it, about family vibes, you always hear that term, and sometimes I, you know, I say it as well as like, "Hey, what'd you think about that restaurant?" I said, "I just, just wasn't feeling the vibe, you know." And and, and what what about hey, did you like my daughter's name? Did you like meeting that guy? I'm like, ah, you just. I didn't feel the vibe. I just I had some bad vibes from him. There's just, just be careful with him. He's, you know, there's something going on, and, and I'm just not sure about it. And I always wonder, and sometimes we say things without not, not even knowing what they mean. And it's like we just say vibes. And every time I, and really, I just kind of wanted to play the song from the Beach Boys, just good vibrations. I mean, that's what I kind of wanted to get an idea of what are vibes and what, what does it really mean to have a vibe? And it's really just, it's really just a feeling, something that you get from somebody else or something else. That as I, I mean, I really had to research and look. I was like, no, I just want to be sure I know what this means. And family vibes is really what you get when you, get, when you all come together. You know, you've seen those families that, you, that, that, that you're like, man, I, I really want to know what makes them tick. What makes them so awesome and so wonderful? You know, and you love being in their house, and there's just a vibe. There's just something that makes you feel good when you're with everyone. And so, what, so that's what we're trying to figure out is what is this family vibe? What is this, what is this atmosphere that we're trying to figure out? It's really an intangible it's really something that you see, because if you ask the family that you admire, you say, hey, what is it about you guys? And they're just like, I don't know. I mean, they can't explain what it is, and they're like, this is just something that's natural for us. This is something that's just who we are. And you really can't explain the vibe that, the vibe that someone else is feeling. And this is really what was going on in Acts chapter 2. In this passage, we're going to be sitting here for the next four weeks, what well, we did it last week and, and for the rest of the month, we're going to be sitting in this passage of Acts chapter 2 of the early church and what they did to impact the world around them. And so the, so the, the early church in, in chapter 2, they, there was a vibe that people were feeling. So if you would indulge me, let's, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you have your apps, put it there as well, or you have the Westover app, you can look it up in there. And, and we'll read it here, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. If you have a pen or if you have a little highlighter, you can highlight that phrase. We're going to kind of sit there again, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
Like I said, we touched on a little bit last week about what the, about what the church was doing. And so what we see here is we see here the, the beginnings of the early church. Now, as you look at this scripture, you're like, oh my gosh, this is what's going to be going on. The life group pastor is up there and he's going to start talking about life groups. Because this is probably the key verse that we use for life groups. And it is. We can tell you to get together. We can tell you to go eat some food and have some nachos. We can tell you all that. But you've heard, you've really heard all that before. So, so it's... It, it, we kind of have to try to understand what this scripture is really telling us. Because as we see, if you go one chapter before in the book of Acts, it is really, it's, it's, it's telling us something special. Jesus had just died and resurrected and ascended to heaven. And for 40 days, he spent some time with his disciples, telling them, teaching them and telling them what's going to be taking place. And he gave them a promise. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. Be patient. Because they wanted to know, when is he going to restore the kingdom? He said, it's not... You don't need to know the time. Just be waiting for the promise. There's going to be a promise that's coming. He's going to give you power to be my witnesses pretty much all over the world. And that's what he told them. So they went to, on, on their festival day, a party, just like it must have been San Antonio. We love to have parties. So they had fiesta or whatever it was. So they went to go have their party. They got together and they started praying. It was the day of it was the Pentecost. They were praying, getting together. The Holy Spirit came and baptized them, filled them. And there's a whole different type of lesson in there where now they're the temple of God because the presence of God is in them. The fire represents the fire of God, the wind, the wind of God. And now they are the temple. They are the tabernacle. They are carrying the presence of God. And now they have power. And Peter, who was, who was, who was kind of back-trailing now, he's out there preaching a, 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 just a riveting message to everybody who's listening. And in there, if you look right before chapter 2, you are right before verse 42 and, and verse 40, it says this, With many other words, this is Peter, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those, if you want to circle that or look at that word, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to that number that day. So they went from those to they. So those people who were baptized with the Holy Spirit, who received power, now they began to meet. They were taking the next step, which is we have a next step class here at Westover. But they, they were taking the next step. And they were taking the next steps of what was to, to, to take place in their Life. They were like, okay, what do we do now? What can we do? And it says there, as we read, they, they, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. They prayed, and they fellowshiped, and they ate, and they did all this stuff. And we do all that here. You're like, well, Pastor James, we do all that here at Westover, man. We, we like to eat. We get together. We have small groups. We have our classes. We're learning. We come here every week. So what is it? What is it about this church? Why are we teaching this again? Well, you see, you have to understand something. 3,000 people were baptized and saved. Now, just think with me a little bit. If 3,000 people in one day were saved here in San Antonio, or let's say here, even here in Westover, don't you think the whole city would know about it? And that was the thing. You, 3,000 people, was no small amount of people. So 3,000 people were saved and baptized and empowered. There was something different about them. And now they were in the community. So guess what? Now the Israelite community, this, the Jewish community, who were non-believing, they were looking at these now these believers in Jesus, Jewish people who were saying, okay, let's see what this is all about. Now they were making an impact. Now they were being noticed. Now there was like, oh, the, all the eyes were on 
them. Don't you feel like that sometimes when someone knows that you're a follower of Christ, now their eyes are on you. They want to know if you're for real. If you start a small group, we tell you, post it on Facebook. Why? Because we want people to know, hey, this is what's going on. We're like, I don't want to post it. I don't want no one to know that I'm in a group. We're like, well, please post it. We want to know that you're in a group. We want to see what's going on. Why? Because we want the world to know uh, the, 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 the things that are happening in the body of Christ. So the early believers, what they were doing is, is, as you read here, this whole little passage, they were sending out good vibes. Everybody say, good vibes. Oh, come on. That doesn't even give me good vibes. Everybody say, good vibes. That's what they were doing. They were in the community giving good vibes. They were eating together. They were worshiping. They were daily. Everybody say, every day. Say, every day. They're every day, they were every day they were in the community, they were meeting together in the church, they were meeting together in homes, they were meeting together in the community. They could not be, they were just noticed, they were being seen, and this was causing people to ask questions and wonder what's going on in here. And guess what? They were discovering that life was better together because they were under they were discovering something that, hey, guess what? If we are together, we're gonna grow. And guess what? Life is so much better, things are happening, we take care of each other, we love each other. And all these good things are happening. And that's our big idea. Our big idea is this, is that life is better together. Really, life is better when you grow together. Now, I didn't put grow spiritually because life is really better all the way around when you grow together with someone else. You grow, you grow mentally, intellectually. When you're with someone and you learn what they learn, you grow spiritually from someone who's, who's gone before you or other people who are learning just like you. You grow emotionally as you begin to, 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 to have conflict and learn how to handle such things. Growth happens when you're with people. When you're by yourself, nothing really happens unless you argue with yourself in the mirror, and that's kind of strange. But we want you to, be, to know that, hey, you need to be with People. We need to be not just with people, but with the body of Christ. See, community is not built. People say, well, you know what? I don't like being in community. I just don't, you know, I just, you know, I don't have the time for that. You know, and I've heard it all. I've heard probably every excuse you can imagine. I don't have time for community. I don't have time to be in a group. I don't have time to go to a class. I don't have time to come to church. You know, I'm just busy. I'll just go for the worship and bolt after that. I don't have time for all that. I got to get stuff done. And I always tell my wife, I think it's funny when someone can come up to me, especially, let's say a single or let's say just a, a couple, they, hey, we're very busy. I'm like, well, you got kids? They're like, no, I, said, I got five. <laughs> the funniest thing I ever saw was someone walked up to Pastor Jim. After Pastor Jim said he had three life groups, and someone said, oh, and they said, hey, I don't have time for a life group. I was like, that's the wrong person to tell you don't have time to. Don't go to Pastor Jim and tell him you don't have time for a life group. He just finished telling you he had three. And it's like, well... So this is the deal. Community is not about convenience. It's really not. It's not about convenience because we have to, we really have to take a step out. We got to put ourselves aside. Community is not built on convenience. It's built on the conviction that I need spiritual growth. A lot of you sit here and in your heart, you're thinking, man, I just want to grow. Churches, and oh, I, I, it's just not deep enough. I'm not getting what I need. And, and oh, and so there's this burning desire for growth to happen in you. But yet when something's provided for you, there's a community. You hear at church on Wednesdays and on Sundays and even outside, over 140 small groups are available for your disposal. But yet I, but you know what? I just don't have the time. It's not about convenience. It's about really pursuing that conviction of saying, you know what? I want to grow. I want to grow. 
So really, there's a, there's a few things that I just want to share with you. Is like, well, what's the purpose of small group? What, 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 do, what can I get out of it? And that's a good question. Everyone wants to know that. What can I get out of it? And really, it's this. And I've kind of looked through the fire department. I've looked through my small group. And I've looked through a lot of different things. What do people, you know, what, what was it? What was that intangible thing that the people of the early church, that they, that they were showing and displaying to, to, to the non-believers? What, was, what are those things that, that, that it was not tangible, but now it's tangible? Because as we said, in Scripture it says that they were added. Every day there was, there was being added, those being saved. So the, th- the, the questions being asked, the things that were being pondered on, those intangible things that as they watched and they were like, what is that? And they studied them and tried to find what it was. They wound up joining and they wind up making the intangible tangible. And they became believers. So the first tangible thing that they, that they discovered was they experienced genuine love. As it says there, that they met together, that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They experienced genuine love. Now here's the deal. Love is the best use of your life. And the best tool to impact the world. People tell me, oh, Pastor James, you kiss, you know, you just love everybody. I'm like, that's right. I do. I, I have learned through the years, through, through 36 years of following Christ to love everyone. Because trust me, there was times where I didn't love everyone and I didn't like everyone. My parents will tell you. When I, I, mean, I mean, I was just a grumpy little kid and I just had an attitude all the time. But God began, as I drew closer to the Lord, I began to experience love. And I began to see the impact that love has on someone else. Now, I'm not talking romantic love because I am a romantic. You can ask my wife. I'm a romantic. She's over there. You feel free to ask her. I'm not shy. I learned from my dad. He had six. I had five. He beat me. Oh, well. You know? But the deal is, is is that... We're not talking about romantic love. We're talking about Christ-centered, unconditional love. When you begin to put, like I said, it's not about convenience, community. It's about moving forward. It's the love. It's sacrificing yourself, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your sleep, sacrificing something that you want for the benefit of others. You are putting yourself aside to love and meet the need of someone else. We're like, well, you know what? I don't need love. I don't need love. I don't like that. I don't like that song from the Beatles. All you need is love. I think that's ridiculous, right? You know, I don't know. But this is this: a life without love, not romantic love, but the love of God for people is a life that is empty. A life without love is a life that is empty. The Apostle Paul says, "I am bankrupt without love." He can do all these wonderful things, but if he doesn't have love, it's meaningless. You see, love was... So people at the early church, while, while in, in Acts chapter, as we watched them, there was love being expressed. They were sharing and they were caring and they were, they were selling their stuff to help someone else. This was not normal back then. They were, they, were, they were looking, the outsiders were looking and saying, this cannot last. But they were doing it. They were actually doing what God intended in his law way back in the Old Testament. For us to take care of the poor and to give of ourselves and to give to the needy. Are you willing to give of yourself? Unconditional love requires faith. It goes beyond our own capabilities. And I'll say that again. Unconditional love requires faith because it goes beyond our own capabilities. Well, how can you love everybody else? 
One thing I've told people is I told uh, about our family. If you know anything about our family and you spend some time with us, we always say this, and my kids will tell you the same thing, is that we love hard. We do. Um, all of our small group, our friends, those who are close to us, we always say, everybody, we love hard. Because once you're in the Frios family, once you're connected with us, we love you. You become family. And we take you in, and, and man, it, it takes a lot to really for us to stay. you know what, we don't want anymore. We put all of our life and all of our investment in you. Whatever you need, we're here. My kids are all in. We're all in. That is our motto. But you know what, it takes faith. Because guess what? We can be hurt. We're dealing with people. But, I'm do, but the faith that I have is the faith in God, that God, I know you see my heart. You see that I love this person. It's not for any other motive, but because I have my faith in you and I'm a follower of you, it's a natural overflow of your love in my heart to love someone else, regardless of what they do to me. And that's a matter of faith. So we're... The early church, they experienced genuine love. Number two, they were encouraged by authentic acceptance. And as you see in the scripture, it says all the believers were together. They were together, and they were together every day, right? Everybody say, every day. There you go. We're, we are in Texas. There you go, every day. They were together every day. They weren't tired with, for each other. They were together all the time. They met, again, like we said, in the church and in the community and at homes. They got together, and they spent time one another. And, and, and that's the deal. It's like, you're like, well, I just, you know, what if I don't mix with that person? What if, what if you know, we just don't get along? What if our chemistry just isn't there? What if there's not a good vibe? Well, I'll tell you this. Community is, has nothing to do with compatibility. Nothing to do with it. Community has nothing to do with compatibility because guess what? You're going to have conflict with even your closest friends. And it's a really lonely life when you say, you know what? I don't want to deal with people. I'm just not compatible with them. That's not what community is about because guess what? We're family. And we all know in family, we do have conflict. We do have stuff that we got to get over. But we deal with it and we deal with it appropriately. Community has everything to do with capability. Because Jesus loves me, and, he's, and at my worst, he still says, I see potential in you. And I see what you're capable of in our group and my friends. I don't see you and your failures. Your skin. I see what God has, is capable to do through you. And that's what small groups are about, and that's what church is about. It's not about saying, oh, are we compatible? Are we good? No, it's about, hey, I see God's potential in you. I see what you can do for the kingdom. I see, your, I see how you are with your kids. I see how with kids. I see that you're good with your hands. I see, I see that, that, that you open up your home. You're so friendly. These are gifts that God has given you. And you know what? We can use those gifts because it's not about compatibility. It's about capability. If we were all the same and compatible, it would be rough. We need to be encouraging one another to fulfill the purposes that God has for us. This is a great fear, but it's also a great blessing. Because guess what? We see the best in each other, but also we see the worst. We see the worst. But we just need to continue to love one another. There are people in my life that I, would, I never thought would have been part of my life group or part of not just my current one, but, the one, but even some in the past. There was people that I never thought I would mix with. I mean, and we, and wife, we've been in, a, in, in life groups probably for over 10 or so years, and there's people that we've met that were like, man, are we really just going to hang out with this person? You know, or are we, do we really want to invite them to our group? You know, we're just, we're wondering that. Or, oh, they're going to be here, not their kids. You know, it's like, but, 
But the bottom line is that we walk the making. We it, that's what family is all about. You accept the best, and you accept the worst. Number three, they were engaged by a common bond. So they experienced genuine love. They were encouraged by authentic. Let me read it. Acceptance. All right. And they were engaged by a common bond. You see, they were all they were all part of the same culture. They were all part of together. And in there it says, we're, we're to, they were together and had everything in common. And I know in that passage it's really referring to some of the things that they had, you know, the possessions, but they also had stuff in common. They had ideas and ideals and beliefs and all that was in common. But there are, thing, but there are things that, that you have in common with someone here. People have asked me all, all types of questions. Like, hey, guess what kind of group should I have? Guess what? I like golfing or I like mountain biking or I like archery. Will people really do that? Guess what? Just do it. You never know who's going to come out. I never thought I would like hunting. I'm, I've never, I don't like guns or anything like that, but my life group guys, they bully me. They bully me. They push me around and say, hey, you're going to go hog hunting with us. And I'm like, but they didn't do nothing to no one. And they're like, well... They mess up the crops. I said, okay, well, let's go do it. And now they call me a sniper. So it's great because I've learned. But, but that's the thing is that now we have a common bond. We have a common bond with each other. We have a common bond with softball. We have a com- There's different things that you can find a commonality with. In God's family, you are connected to every other believer. And you will belong to them and you will belong to each other for eternity. There's your common bond. Our common bond is Jesus. That's really it. And you are connected, each and every person in this room, the people that come in on Saturdays and on Sundays, and people, every believer throughout San Antonio, every believer throughout the world, we have a common bond, and we are connected to them for all eternity. And the last thing is we're empowered by, they were empowered by a bigger purpose, and so are you. As you saw on the last, on the last part of the verse, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were, who were being saved. These were new believers. Remember, they were the those in the passage before. Now they're they. They're part of the family. And they were responsible for seeing God move. They were responsible that God, they were the ones God was using to to help people find new life in Christ. You see, people always wonder, what, what does it take to really have community? Not just in small groups, but in our classes that we have and here at our church. What does it take to have community? To, t- to have community, it takes this. It takes God's power. It takes God's power and our effort to produce loving, impacting Christian community. You see... This passage came after the day of Pentecost. It came after the fact that they received power. God knew. God knew what impact a Christian community, a Christ-centered community could have. In community, you're able to discover your role. In your life, in, in, in groups, in your life group, in the time, in the friends that you're with, when you go to Burger Boy or you go to Sea Island or you go to different places to eat, when you're spending time with people, when you're playing soccer and you begin to talk and you begin to discover that the world is a bigger place and you begin to discover your role in the body of Christ, that there's a big mission out there, that some of us would say, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? 
Get in the group and let God encourage you through other believers to find what your role is in this world. There is a big mission out there. There is a big lost, and as Scripture said, a corrupt generation out there. And it's looking for hope. It's looking for a Christ-centered community. And, it's, and the beautiful thing about groups, the beautiful thing about just even being in relationship, over the past 20 years that me and my wife have been married and over the past 30-plus years that I've known the Lord, when I'm with people, there's things that I see that, I, that I'm always wondering, God, I want to see you move. I want to see your power. I want to see you do something. And we're always looking for the big. But it's those times when I sit in my living room with a friend and they're crying because of their, because of their marriage. Their marriage is falling apart. And we sit there and we pray and we talk and we encourage them. And then when they come and then we see God and like, we're like, God, are you even moving? Are you even there? And then you see their marriage restored. And then again, when our friends message us on group me about people who are sick in their family or who are ill or tragedy that goes on, guys, can you pray? Can you pray? Can you pray? And we're on group me and we're texting, yes, we're going to pray. And all of our group together, we're praying. The prayer people, the prayer words are getting there and they're doing their thing. And then when we hear the report back, guess what? My cousin was healed. Man, we're looking for the, for, for the just the crazy miraculous here. We want the signs and wonders, and that's great, and we do. But God is working. If you just open your eyes, if you just get involved with people and begin to say, hey, how can I help you? How can you get me? Because guess what? This is not to be a selfish world. This is, we're to give. True servants of Christ, we're not here to receive. We're here to give. What can I give you? How can I help you? How can I carry your load? How can I carry your burden? How can I encourage you? How can I love you? How can I pick you up? How can I pray for you? What can I do? What can I sacrifice of myself? I want to give my time for you. And if you ask anyone, go on, I encourage you, go on my, our Facebook. Find our life group. We have a large life group, I tell you that. But if you, and you find them, find them at church. I challenge you, ask anyone in our group why they love our group. And the one thing I love about my group, and I'll tell you this, is that they loved me and they respected me even before I was Pastor James. You have no idea how that feels. Because sometimes people treat pastors in a different way. Or they behave in a certain way. Or, or you, you always kind of feel left out. But they accepted me even before. And they still treat me the same. I love being treated as me. And that's where that authenticity comes in. And that's what we all look for. We want to know, is this Jesus thing real? We want to know, is this vibe the real deal? Are you, are you putting some kind of mask or are you real? Are you like the non-believing Jewish culture who is just standing on the outside saying something's going to mess up? Or this, this can't be real. Well, you know what? These, I've been in groups before. People are just, they're so, you know, the way, they t the way that person talked to me or the way that lady looked at me, the way that, oh, I just, it's not as perfect as I thought it was. Well, 
Welcome home. No one's perfect. If you're bringing your own preconceived ideas into a group, then you're, bringing, then you're not bringing God's idea of group. Because God's idea is authenticity, acceptance, love above all other things. I'm going to love you for you. And that's, what, and that's what the good vibe is all about. That's what they saw. They experienced the love of God, and they were challenged to impact their world. Guys, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Seek out Christian community. Seek out a God-given, loving community and see how you can change the world. I guarantee it will happen. You can change your community. You can change your workplace. And, yeah, I believe you can, that we as Westover can change the world.